Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Thank you again for being here. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. Man, Easter was awesome, but I love today. I love Celebration Sunday, celebrating with these parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles who are dedicating their children, uh, these individuals that took their next right step in baptism. It's always an awesome Sunday that I look forward to when we do it. And at the end of today's service, we're going to celebrate communion as a church family. And so if you're at home watching online, you can get some communion supplies and do that with us. Now, listen, if this is your first time here, we want to welcome you. And I think you've joined us at a great time, not only to go through Celebration Sunday with us, but today we're kicking off a brand new series called Faith Works. And what we're going to do is we're going to look in this series at how our faith really works. God hasn't left us with a useless faith. We can use our faith practically through every single day of our lives, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're struggling with, no matter what we're going through, our faith truly works. And if you're sitting there uh, saying, well, wait a minute, Scott, I don't have faith. I'm an agnostic. I'm an atheist. I don't follow Christ. That's okay. Because the things that we're going to talk about will still help you, maybe not to the extent it does to someone who follows Christ, but these things, if we'll apply them in our lives, they will still help us and they'll still benefit us. And really, isn't that the point of our faith? I mean, if our faith doesn't help us, if our faith doesn't mature us and grow us and get us through some of the tough things in life, then really, what's the use? What's the use of having faith if it's not practical and if it doesn't work? So we're going to look at many different scripture verses and books in the Bible in this series. We're going to spend uh, probably each week we'll have a verse or two from the book of James because I think James, the half-brother of Jesus, his information is so practical that he got from the Lord on how to really put our faith in practice and how to really see that it works. And what I want to start off this series with and what I want to talk about today is temptation. And how do we handle temptation so that we don't head down paths that are going to lead to sin and they're going to lead to more difficulty and more problems in our life as well as the people that we're around. And one of the things when you think about temptation, often temptations in our life come because we're so stressed and we're under so much pressure in life. As a matter of fact, you know, is anybody under stress today? Yeah, we all are, right? You've had stress maybe even today. Maybe you had stress this past week, this past month. Certainly the environment we've lived in for the past, you know, two years under COVID has created a a tremendous amount of stress. So stress can lead us to temptation, you know, it can be behind it. And so if we're not careful what the stress does to us, if we don't properly deal with it, if we don't handle it, it can set us up for trouble. And often when we're stressed, we start to look for coping mechanisms, don't we? And often those are our temptations. Those are the things that lead us to harmful behaviors. But we all have coping mechanisms, but unfortunately, a lot of them are dangerous, 
right? A lot of them are bad habits, they're addictions, uh, they're sinful behavior. And, and not only do they impact us, they impact people around us. So that's why we have to learn how do we handle temptation, whether it's pressure or stress, bringing it on, maybe it's something else in your life, but how do we handle that? And if you think about stress, where does it come from? It can come from anywhere, right? It could come from fear. Stress could come from fear in our lives. It could come from anxiety. It could come from depression. It could come from an issue in a relationship or a marriage. It could come from financial pressures or, or pressure at work. You know, in the job you do, it can come from anywhere. But the problem is it can be harmful to us if we don't deal with it properly. So think about this. When we're tempted to do something that we know, and we've probably done before, we know it's going to cause us difficulty either immediately or or down the road. When that temptation comes from stress, pressure, or, or whatever, it's at that moment that we're going to deal with today because it's at that moment when we are tempted that we have the best opportunity to put our faith into action and to see our faith work. Because if it goes past that point, we're obviously already into sin or the harmful behavior. So it's at the moment that we're tempted to go down those same old paths, we have the best opportunity for our faith to work. And here's what James says about temptation. James chapter 1 verses 13 through 16. And listen, all of our scripture verses we use any, any given week, all the learnings, they're available on the Church Center app. You can download that on your phone or you can scan that QR code in your seat back. If you're streaming online, they'll send you a link. You don't have to use those or just there for you. But James says this, and remember, when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. That's why this is so important, what we're talking about. And what James is saying is that temptation, whatever it is in our life, it's only going to lead to a dead end. It's never going to benefit us. So learning number one, don't be deceived by every desire you feel. In other words, we don't have to be deceived and we don't have to fall for every deception that comes into our life and every temptation that comes into our life. And I know that's easier said than done, but remember, God has not given us a powerless faith. He hasn't given us a a faith that doesn't work, especially when we're under pressure or we're stressed in life. I love what 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 says, For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So what's that saying? It's saying that we can defeat the evil of the world, the sin of the world, the temptations that get us because our faith works, because of our faith. And it's telling us that our victory is only going to come through our faith. In other words, we can't defeat the world's ways without faith in Jesus. Now, if you don't have faith in Jesus, you'll win some some wars, but you're not going to get ultimate victory. It's not going to work at least long term. Sure, you'll be able to overcome some things on your own, but not everything we have to deal with 
in life. So our faith helps us really to get better at sinning less, okay? To get better and better at sinning less and less. So if we've got a particular habit, a particular addiction, a particular temptation or distraction that is usually our downfall, it's always going to come after us. So often, it's what tempts us for the rest of our lives. We just learn how to deal with it better and how to handle it better because of our faith. So as our faith grows, as we become more mature in our faith, then those things that distract us, we're going to be less influenced by them, less impacted by them, and less attracted to them. So let's look at how we can be less tempted by the things that get us when we're stressed out. And I think right off the bat, we have to be honest with ourselves about what our greatest temptation is. Because we all have one, or we have several. But what is the greatest temptation? Because that's what we're going to be drawn to. Whatever the end result is after we walk through that temptation, that's what we're always drawn to. And that's going to come when we're under pressure and stress. We're going to want to go right to whatever our greatest temptation is. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's pornography or it's sex or it's control. You know, we want to control everybody in our family and control everybody around us. Maybe we react in anger, but what is that go-to that always tempts us in life? And again, the reason temptation is such a big deal, and and there's nothing wrong with temptation in and of itself. It's not a sin for us to be tempted, right? It's when we cross from temptation into doing whatever it is that attracts us and is trying to get us to do. The problem is it always leads to sin, right? So again, that's why the best time to catch it is when the temptation comes into our mind. Listen to Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. That's why we're dealing with this. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So we got to get rid of everything in our life that harms us, that hurts us, that slows us down, that often leads us to sin and leads us to problems not only with our own life, but with those that we love the most. So we need to ask that question, and you don't have to, you know, it's it's kind of self-reflection, but what is my go-to when I'm stressed and I'm tempted? What is my go-to when I'm under pressure that I'm looking towards to give me some type of release? We need to identify that and, and become fully aware of it. And it's not really hard for us to figure out what that is. But the harder part is, is then we also have to figure out, once we know what that go-to is for us, we have to figure out what's going on up here when we're tempted. You know, what is our emotional state? What kind of emotions are we feeling when we're tempted? Just think about that for a minute. Because emotions are always involved in anything that happens in our life. So we got to figure out what those emotional triggers are, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to, to kind of see what our process is when we're tempted, and then when we end up sinning. So what's the emotional state that causes us to go on to sin, to go on to self-destruct, to go to some self-defeating behavior in our life? 
Another good thing when we're tempted is, is we shouldn't focus on the action that we're tempted to commit. We should focus on what we're thinking at that moment. Again, because emotions play such a big part in the decisions that we make in life, right? And we're going to be far more, more vulnerable to temptation depending on what our emotional state is, right? Sometimes we're stronger, sometimes we're weaker. For example, a lot of people, when we, when we get physically tired and physically exhausted or mentally tired, mentally exhausted, we're more susceptible to temptation. That's why it's important to identify what are those emotional triggers, Sometimes we're more vulnerable to temptation when we're alone or when we're bored or when we feel uh, isolated or disconnected from people. We'll we'll be more vulnerable to temptation. So we figure out what our go-to is. You know, what is that thing that always lures me in when I'm tempted? And then we figure out, okay, what is my emotional state? What am I feeling in my mind when I'm being tempted. And what we do is we start to be able to map out a pattern of our own life. This is, you know, this is what Scott does every single time. These are the emotions he's feeling, and this is what he goes to. So again, we're trying to get a pattern. Why is that important? Learning number two, once we see a pattern to our behavior, we can protect ourselves in advance. And that's what our faith that works instructs us to do, to protect ourselves from the temptations that are going to come in our life. It's called putting our faith into action. Proverbs 14.8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deceptions. So we got to figure out this pattern. So, you know, we could ask too, when am I most tempted? Am I most tempted during the week? Or am I more tempted on Friday and Saturday? Or am I more tempted in the morning or the evening? We could also ask, where are we most tempted? Right? Am I more tempted in front of the computer? Am I more tempted at home? Am I more tempted at work? Am I more tempted at a party or or a get-together or a bar? You know, what is our pattern? Again, identifying the pattern helps us to put our faith in action and protect ourselves, to put up guardrails, if you will, or boundaries to protect ourselves from falling into sin and things that are going to be destructive to our life. And I think another great question to ask is, you know, whatever that go-to is we've identified when we're tempted, this is where I always go, is to ask ourselves, what kind of satisfaction am I getting out of that? You know, what is that doing for me? If I give in to the anger or the pornography or the, the, the drugs, you know, what satisfaction is that bringing me? Is it bringing me some comfort? Is it bringing me false confidence? Is it bringing me uh, excitement in my life? But we got to ask ourselves, why do I do this? We just got to be honest about that. What is the payoff? What do I think the payoff's going to be when I go down this path that I know started with the temptation? Again, all these questions are helping us to figure out ourselves and to be able to avoid these situations in the future. So I think a lot of the the early work, the preliminary work, is we got to do a self-evaluation of ourselves and just be honest about here, here's our pattern. Here's what I I do. Because if we're ever going to overcome everything, anything or defeat anything in our life, we have to understand our behavior. And then we're in a position to know which part of God's guidance we need to follow. 
and which part of God's guidance we can listen to at that moment to help us. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26 through 27 says, Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your faith, your, uh, your feet from following evil. In other words, if I know that a certain particular situation tempts me, I need to stay away from that. I need to avoid it at all possible. That's what the scripture means when it says plan your steps in advance. That's how our faith works. That's how it instructs us to do. Now, sometimes you're going to be tempted. You'll have all the best plans out there to protect yourself the next time that temptation comes. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be blindsided one day by temptation. It's going to come out of nowhere. You're not going to know where it came from. It wasn't what you prepared for. It's going to catch you completely off guard. In those cases, you need to cry out to God immediately. I refer to these as SOS prayers or bottle rocket prayers, I've called them in the past. Hey, God, I'm in serious trouble right now. I I wasn't aware of this. I, I didn't prepare for this. I need your help. Plenty of examples in scripture of faithful people, and they had to cry out to God immediately because they were in trouble. Obviously, we should be talking to God all the time and seeking God's help, but sometimes, I'm telling you, you're going to least expect it, in a, and it could be a different temptation. It could be the same one, but it's going to come out of nowhere, and it's going to blindside you. Just simply cry out to God for help. Psalm 50, verse 15, then call on me when you're in trouble, and I will rescue you, and I will give you Uh, And you will give me glory. See, our faith works. God is ready to rescue us. But why don't we reach out to God more? Why do we feel sometimes we're bothering God? Well, I'm not going to bother God with this. This was my own fault. I shouldn't have fallen into this. Do we think that God may, maybe we don't think he'll understand our temptations. He doesn't, he can't relate to the temptations we go through. I can assure you he does. Look at Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, Jesus was tempted in every single way that we are. And the Bible says that we can come to him And he will show us how to overcome it. That's how our faith works. Another great mechanism when we're, uh, you know, we're tempted to do something is change what you're thinking about, right? Change your mind. If you're focused on that go-to and and what you're always taken to, you know, change the subject. Call somebody on the phone. Go for a walk. Get a hobby. But do something to change your mind. See, often when it comes to temptation, we fall for temptation that leads into sin because we're, we're just trying to resist it. And all we're really doing is thinking about it. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to drink that. I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to watch that. But what we're actually doing is we're drawing ourselves to it. So the key is not to fight it. It's to refocus away from it. So learning number three, a great way to deal with temptation is to focus on something else. And I know that sounds simple, but it's so hard to do. Romans 12, 21 says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So we replace whatever that 
behavior is, that self-destructive behavior was something else, something good. I tell people all the time, when, when you're struggling in life, help somebody else who's struggling maybe worse than you are or, or they're just struggling in life. Small gesture, doesn't have to be anything big, but what it does is it takes the focus off of our own struggle and we help somebody else. It's not, the key is not to resist it and not to fight it, it's to refocus away from it. 2 Corinthians 10, 5b says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what we're doing. We're, we're taking that temptation, that thought, and we're refocusing and thinking on something else. And thoughts come in three different ways. We put thoughts in our own mind, God gives us thoughts, and Satan gives us thoughts, Right? And people will say, well, I can't resist the thoughts that Satan puts in my mind. Yes, we can. Because we resist the thoughts God puts in our mind all the time, don't we? God calls me to be more faithful. God calls me to be more forgiving. God calls me to be more humble. God calls me to be more loving. And I don't want to do that, God. So we can control those thoughts. We shouldn't be controlling those. Those are inspirations from God. Temptations come from Satan. So if we can control the thoughts God puts in our mind, we can certainly control the thoughts that Satan puts in our mind. And here's what we always have to remember through temptation. Learning number four, God is on our side. He's not fighting against us. He's not sitting there hoping that we fall into that temptation. He wants us to overcome the temptation that we face. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted, uh, your temptation to be more than you can stand. In other words, we can fight it. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. God is faithful. He will show us a way out. That's how our faith works. If we're willing to do the homework on the front end, and then prepare our footsteps, as the scripture says. So if you're stressed, if you're under pressure, when temptation hits you at any point in your life, we don't have to be entertained by every single thought that comes in our mind. We can control those thoughts. We can learn our pattern. We can know what our go-to is and what emotional state we're in. And then we can build barriers to protect ourselves. And those some occasions when we're blindsided, we can simply cry out to God, and he promises that he's going to rescue us because God's on our side. Again, he wants to give us victory, victory through Christ, and, and that's really the only way that we get it. So I'm going to pray, and then Pastor Matt's going to come and lead us in communion. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for just practical instruction in the Scripture on how to overcome something, quite honestly, God, we face every single day, temptations in our life. Lord, help us to, to really do the things that we've learned today, to be honest first with ourselves about where we're at and what we need to protect ourselves against in the future. God, thank you that you don't love us any less when we sin, when we have Jesus, but you want us to get better and better it's sinning less and less as we go through life. God, thank you for these folks who have celebrated today in child dedication, these faithful parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, and these individuals have taken their next right step in baptism. God, we're honored as a church to be a part of that. In Christ's name, amen.
All right, well, like Scott said, we're going to celebrate communion this morning, and so I believe on the, your, your left side, there are buckets underneath each row. If you just want to grab one of those little cups and pass them down, that would be great. And listen, if you are gluten-free and you want a gluten-free wafer, go ahead and raise your hand up. We've got our uh, assistance team that will come by and drop you on. I think there's some of those out in the lobby as well. <clears throat> And if you're watching online, I want to encourage you to get some bread, get some juice, or go get some wine and uh, celebrate with us. It's, it's five o'clock somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. And when it gets to the end, if you just want to drop that bucket right underneath your seat, that'd be great. Awesome. Well, yeah, like Scott said, as we celebrate communion, it's one of the things that Jesus left us with and one of the kind of the tools that we have to remember and to celebrate what he did for us on the cross. And so, you know, it's important to know why we do it. You know, just doing it because that's what we're supposed to do isn't really worth much. But when you know why we celebrate communion, it makes it that much more powerful and effective in our lives. And so, you know, maybe you grew up and you called it something different than communion. Um, maybe you called it the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, or Holy Communion. But really what communion is, is a celebration. It's thanksgiving for what he's done for each one of us. The, the bread that we're about to take is representative of his body that was broken. And then the juice or the wine is the representation of his blood that was shed for us. And, and really it's the remembrance and celebration that he died for each one of us. And he gave each one of us an opportunity to come to him with a clean slate and to to live out that joy like Scott was just talking about in our faith. And so before we do that, um, one of the things that Paul gives us as instruction before we take communion is to examine our hearts. You know, maybe you've read that verse or thought about that before, but really what that is is kind of do an inventory of our own lives and doing a heart, giving ourselves a heart check of where we are spiritually and you know, the things we're carrying around with us as we go throughout li our lives. And, you know, sometimes that's guilt. Other times that's shame, embarrassment. That's certain sins that we struggle with. Or maybe there's conflict that we're in with other people. And, and so one of the instructions we get is to, before we take communion, is to take a couple seconds and to clear ourselves and to really release those things to God. And so before we take communion, I just want to give everyone an opportunity to do that. And so if you want to bow your head, close your eyes, however you feel comfortable, just take a minute, and as you're sitting there, you're watching online, and, and to start giving those things to God, to give those things to God that, you know, you're carrying with you, the burdens that you carry around in your life, or the things that you're struggling with, or the things you're dealing with, like all of us have. And so just take a minute and, and give those back to God. You know, as we're all sitting here you know, just tell God what you're dealing with. He already knows, but just giving it to him is something that's so important for us as believers to get in the habit of doing, not just in communion, but as we go throughout our lives, giving him the things we struggle with and letting him take those things away from us so they don't have to follow us around throughout our lives. God, thank you that we can come together and celebrate what you've done for us on the cross. You know, we remember today of how much you love us, and then it reminds us how much we want to love you. And so we thank you, God, for never giving up on any of us and never walking away from us, especially in the times where we need you the most. God, help us to remember what you've done through this celebration of communion. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, to open these little cups up now, this is probably the hardest thing you're going to do all day. <laughs> um, they're kind of like a creamer, but there's two different layers of it. So there's a top layer, which is the little wafer, and that's a clear piece of cellophane. So if you want to go ahead and pull that back real quick now, and then if you're pulling it back and you start to see the juice, you've gone too far, okay? <laughs> so just take that top layer off. It's just the, the little piece, of, the little wafer, and, and you can just hold it right there while we read from the scripture. But this is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. Paul says, for I pass on to you what I've received from the Lord himself. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So you go ahead and take the bread. And you can go ahead and peel back the second part. And this is how Paul continues. He says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. You can go ahead and take the juice. Awesome. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you all for being here with us this morning, the Celebration Sunday. Such a big step for those who took their next right steps. And so I want to invite you to come back with us next week as we continue this series on faith. And so I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much.